Welcome to Americana Quill, writer to writer. Please like and subscribe and tell a friend that likes to subscribe. This man has a great book out titled Here's Waldo. Although this is his debut, he's a contributor on other platforms when it comes to his writing. This book is spanning, Here's Waldo is spanning from the late 90s to the to the 20 to 2010s, excuse me. Here's Waldo is a sprawling, tragic comic novel that tracks the story of Waldo Collins, a nerdy kid born in a torn up town in the shadows of Chicago, unincorporated disciplines, Illinois. It's a story about what it takes, what it was like to come of age as the new millennium dawned with all its ever, I oh, can't read today, sorry, changes. <laughs> a story about the family bonds we're, we're born with and those we create along the way. And about using humor to find light in the dark about generational trauma and the continuation or completion of cycles of violence. It's here we follow Waldo from age eight to 24 as he figures out his place in the world, leaves his hometown to become a writer and ultimately comes back to face everything and everyone he left behind. Here's a story of loss, love, grief, guilt, and the search for meaning. Here's Waldo, AKA, it's like, actually his real name is Nick Olson. It's a fiction <laughs> book, but it read so much like a, um, like a nonfiction book, I'm very happy to like get into it and truly talk to you about it because I read it. And it took me about two days to read the book. Um, I really enjoyed it so much. So thank you for even contributing the the world, the universe with such a, a great body of work, seriously. Thank, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And sorry for the moments of my botch intro as I've done three today, so I'm a little tired. Oh, no worries. Even had to uh, spike this one for you to say cheers to you, sir. This has <laughs> rum in it, so I just want to say thank you for you know your contributions to to this writing community that we're all a part of and just trying to grow and, and blossom. In. So cheers to you. Thank you. So I guess what made you want to write the book, this particular book? Yeah. Um, and make it your debut, because I'm sure you had other thoughts of stories in your head before this, I could tell by the way yeah, you wrote it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, because I, I came from a, a screenwriting background, so I went to school for screenwriting, for writing, writing movie scripts. And um, so, you know, I came from this background of writing a lot of different genre stuff, um, sci-fi, comedy, horror, you name it. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I switched into fiction, uh, I wanted to tell a story that was a little bit more personal a little bit more kind of down to earth and, you know, while fictional, like would kind of tell something that, that right. was kind of hit close to home for me. So it's, it's cool to see that I kind of read properly that kind of came across. No, what I loved about your book is that you don't have to get into what percentage of the book is you, but you could tell that the blueprint, at least of the town, is, is something that you knew well, you know? Like yeah. my very first book, um, The Dream of the Boy, Who Caught 22, it's kind of like like about my hometown and the things I went through of growing up in like a small town right outside of like the big city. Me growing up in New York, I'm maybe 40 minutes away from the Five Barrels or whatever, the big city, so. Yeah. Although they might think they're the only ones that go through things, it's like, no, the, the kids that are considered suburb kids go through a lot too. It's like, you know, the, EB, the EBT welfare stuff doesn't stop with you guys. It's like it, exactly. it transcends past, and that, that's past what I love major about, cities. 
Exactly. And that's what I loved about reading Kids of the Diaspora, too, because I, I felt that kind of that voice or like that perspective, even though you, you know, you're from like the New York area, I'm from Chicago area. Like you said, like there's some experiences that just transcend, where right. you know, and it's it's it kind of gets universal at that point. Right. And um, I loved how dark you made it, but it was still light in certain moments where you just had to smile, although you know you shouldn't probably smile, <laughs> like during yeah. some of the tragic points, for sure. So writing this, I guess my first question is, did, did writing this exhaust you or did it energize you? Both. <laughs> it was, uh, every time I, I made a milestone with it, you know, kind of got this, you know, this draft done or got a few few extra kind of chapters like the interlude chapters um where i kind of had other people's perspective that was something i added in you know totally separately after i finished right. the first book. but um yeah i'd say like all the milestones energized me but the actual writing of it you know i i laid it all out there like i i yeah. put everything i had into that book so i don't regret it but it, it was tough no i could imagine and then i think Keeping people don't understand that it's not having written a lot like you or me, probably that keeping the tone of a third person of just not a regular narrative for people just to be the narrative of the reader and keeping it in the voice of the the, the protagonist will say is, is more difficult than people think for those yeah. periods of time for as long as you did it. And I think yeah. that's what I was impressed with most is like he had to make a conscious decision from be the beginning to keep it this way. And it's not easy to, to do that. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was a good, it was a fun challenge to, to kind of tackle some of those eras, how I remembered them. But then mm -hmm. kind of, even though this character is based on me to still kind of shift it a little bit, um, you know, and just kind of write about the 90s that I remembered or the 2000s that I remembered. Um, yeah, it's always interesting going back to, to those time periods, you know. Right, absolutely. Were you born in 90 or 91? And the reason I, I could tell that, okay, 90 as well, me too. Yep. <laughs> I could tell that by the grade you were in with the chapter about 9-11. Yep. So that's when I knew, all right, he's either a year older or we're both the same age and went through it the same way, kind of going through school. I'm yep. just like, yeah, my parents didn't pick me up that day. You know, like everyone else's kid thought something, because you're about to see his tower. So I'm sure some kids got taken out of school with, with parents um, yep. frantic and panicking. Yep. Yeah, same here. Well, because the towers actually, actually went down, but that's not here nor there. So, how can I say this? So I read the book and there's like so many thoughts coming in my head. One of the passages, do you mind if I read it? It's on page 213. It's a quick paragraph, but it's like the way you... Um, the way you positioned it is like from right, like me being a writer and then reading someone else that writes, it just made me like, oh, okay, this is him just putting something in here for himself compared to you putting something in for like everyone else to get. And like, I love to do that for myself just so I know I didn't waste my time trying to do something if I don't get the results that I want. It's like, at least I know in this moment here, I feel good about it. And I feel like that's what you did in this part here that I'm about to read, so. Hopefully I'm right, maybe I'm not, but um, it's a quick paragraph. You wrote, I'm walking these streets now at 24, the whole neighborhood changed and yet exactly the same. There's a funny thing about moving on, like everything else, the destination seems so final. The happy ending, roll credits. They all live happily, happily ever after. That's bullshit. The end is that there is no end. 
Forgiveness is a garden that needs endless watering. Pruning and tilling, the work will never be over. I just thought that was just a moment where you're just writing for yourself. You're not even writing for the book. You're exactly you, right. <laughs> okay, good. I, I just want to make sure I'm not off. Like I was like, okay. Spot on. And that's when I knew it's like, okay, he's as much as he loves writing, he's probably frustrated with writing as me and of just and just moments of growing up, of just putting your head against the wall, trying to figure out how to blossom in this space of doing it pretty much independent. Yep. Yeah, it's uh no, that's exactly it. It's kind of that combination of of kind of blossom where you're where you are, where you're planted, um, but also, you know, kind of where where I grew up combined with, you know, what, what I was going through while I was actually writing it. It was kind of both of those things of like right. grappling with a lot of this heavier stuff, you know, and then of course, just being able to just shift that onto the character and whatever, whatever. No, absolutely. Doing. I just thought it was genius that you did that. Cause I, I noticed I do that sometimes. And a lot of writers stay away from doing that, I think. And I don't know if it's a conscious thing or it's like, I know what you did was intentional and that's what made me know, oh, you know you're a good writer cause you're making them feel like <laughs> It's part of their story. It's part of this story, but it's like that's something it's for so you to hold on though. to. No, it's not easy to pull off. But when you did it, I was like, "That's for you. That's not for nobody else." Even if they don't catch it, I knew that was for you, and I was like, "That's beautiful." Thank you. I'm sorry if I'm embarrassing you by like just quoting those things. No, I really appreciate it, and it's cool because no, nobody else has picked up on on that yet. So that that was cool. Yeah, I think um, it's just some things when you're right when you really focus on the craft to the point where you're disgusted at times you pick up on those things and it's it's beautiful to see it and i'm now transitioning a little bit more into screenplays and stuff but it's like i could see why you went right to fiction if you got frustrated with screenplays because like you need a budget you need a team you got gotta have an agent to like even get you in the right rooms with a screenplay where writing a book you kind of have you can there's a possibility you could do it all by yourself yeah, so. it's, I still love screenwriting and like, I, I feel like I always will, but uh, yeah, yeah, that was pretty much it, it for me, just for this story anyway, of just being able to, to control all of those elements. Like, I don't have to worry necessarily about like, you know, being able to get like a period appropriate, like cars on the block and making it look like the nineties and getting like, right. it's like, you know, if I, if I make my words work hard enough, I can pull that off myself you know no absolutely and i think also it's like writers don't want to see their stuff always stuck in their laptop they want it to go somewhere and they want it to reach a medium whether that's in film or whether that's you forcing yourself now to make it a book is this originally a screenplay at first and then you you've no, yeah. So I, I thought about maybe doing it as a screenplay, but then I just kind of went straight into it with fiction. I started off by um, kind of having a bunch of different flash fiction pieces. I just did a bunch of short fiction to kind of test the water and like see if I could, you know, write some characters like this. And uh, I, I, I did it and I really enjoyed it. Got a few of those stories placed at, at different uh, like magazines and I was, you know, kind of getting the hang of it, writing in that voice and, and figuring out those characters. Like even right. though they were based on people I knew, you know, still kind of shifting it. Right. It's, uh, this character. I think people don't realize it's only about thirty to thirty-three percent of it is like an actual person you might know. The rest of it is made up of a perceived dramatized version of somebody most yep. of the time. Exactly. 
I, I've already had a, a few times where friends or family are like, oh, you know, did this really happen or is this person real? And I'm like, yes, but <laughs> it's like there, right. there is that element of reality, but a lot of it, you know, you, you are working within the framework of dramatic fiction. And so right. you, you have to structure it in that way. Yep. So were you able to like give your, your, your parents a heads up because you didn't want them to feel like this is all of them? You know, yeah. maybe moments of it is you and you realize that, but it's not all you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. Um, and I'm still having those conversations um, talking with with my mom because, uh, you know, it it wasn't always uh, easy kind of growing up. And, um, you know, it was it was definitely strained and, and it was a tough situation, but things are a lot better now. I feel like, um, you know, every situation is different, but time kind of helps as well. Time and, and distance. That, and uh, I think, uh, sorry, is that is that me or you? I'm just hearing something run like oh, background sure. noise. Okay, I'm sorry. No, no worries. Well, how can I say this without, I know sometimes, um, even though we're not supposed to, sometimes I could see that from the writing, you probably, even though you didn't put it in the writing, maybe it's like sometimes a kid feels like they got to be the adult. And it's like, that's what makes it strange because they're like, no, I'm still your parent. But it's like, <laughs> I need you to step up in certain moments. And I, I've had those issues too. Not Probably not to the severity of your character up here as though, but yeah. I could see why moments like that you would definitely want to talk it out especially from the writing and the reading that I've, I've done from your book yeah so and then it's it's kind of this element of like life imitating art and vice versa right uh, having some of these talks that i had written about years ago and now they're actually happening or you know in in different ways and, and kind of uh shifting uh what what you thought was going to happen expectation versus reality it's, it's interesting to see how that works out you know yeah. So what was your writing process in general? In general, and then what's your writing process for this book? Was it like music playing all the time? Of, yes. Of your era? Like, what was what was that? Yep. So I, I pretty much always make like Spotify playlists for every project I'm working on. And mm. uh, for this one, I pretty much made it just uh, period appropriate. So like, it couldn't have come out after 2014, because that's pretty much the end point of the book. Um, and a lot of the stuff was kind of 70s, 80s, 90s, um, you know, coming of age stuff, but also some things that kind of evoke that mood. I know some folks don't write with music on, but um, I feel like it, it really helps me and kind of gives me that soundtrack that I can write to, if that makes sense. Well, it, it's like a soundtrack to your life in this moment, yep. or the character's life, I should say. Yep. No, definitely. And uh, yeah, so I, I basically just... Uh, I didn't hold myself to like a certain word count, but I pretty much wrote every day um, for the, well, during, during week, I, I would take weekends off, but um, I, I was pretty much just uh, kind of doing this on my lunch break or like little breaks that I had, like during my day job and uh, you know, or sometimes kind of cranking some words out in the morning and, and kind of setting that, um, that expectation for myself. Of like, well, you know, you got to pay the bills, you got to do the day job, but you know, don't lose sight of this thing. No, absolutely. Became, yeah, that kind of became like a central point of the book too, of like finding your creative voices and staying true to it, no matter no, what. Absolutely. What I try to tell people that I help when I'm consulting is um, if you write for two hours a day, Monday through Friday, you'd be surprised by the end of 30 days of what you will have. Absolutely. Even if you only wrote 
a thousand to two thousand words in those two hours, if it's a good two thousand words, you're gonna you're gonna reach your goals. And sometimes the best books aren't always eighty thousand words. I try to tell people it's like yep. you want to tell a clear, precise story because you're not you're not writing an education or academic you know, paper. So it's like you want to write it on the level of like a newspaper, like third to seventh grade. You don't want to necessarily always go past that. And I think yep. people think that's it's not purposely dumbing it down. It's just keeping it simple so you can reach as many readers as possible and not let anyone exactly. feel inferior. So what is your, yeah. do, you, uh, do you agree with that? Or? No, I, I totally do. Um, so, and don't get me wrong. Like I, I read all sorts of stuff and I like some of, you know, the, the more like difficult things. No, no, of course. Really, you know, but um, with this one, I wanted to write something that anybody could kind of dive into. So like in terms of readability, I wanted it to be very accessible. And where I challenge people and make it kind of difficult would be some of the content or like the subject matter. Like it's right. dealing, with, it's dealing with some heavy stuff and it's dealing with trauma and the effects of trauma and, and being able to, to kind of recover from that. But like, yeah, readability, accessibility. I try to make these kind of short and sweet chapters and just kind of like, you know, you no, can, uh, yeah. yeah. That was very impressive. <laughs> Like, I think your longest chapter is five pages. Everything else is one to two pages. Yeah. So I know that was that had to be a conscious decision because you could have easily maybe made one through eight, one chapter, but you chose to dissect every moment. So, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Thank you. It was, it was tough doing that because I'm, I'm not used to doing that. And um, I read uh, Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. And mm. that has, you know, it has like the same kind of structure of, of just these really short chopped up chapters. And I, you know, I usually try to take my time and like sit with a book and, and, and it depends on what I'm reading, but usually that's what I do. But with Cat's Cradle, I read through that in like a day because I just, didn't yeah. want to you know, and I was like, all right, I, I wanted to have this structure like that where you could really quickly get through it. But if you needed to take that time, you would, you would feel like you could. Because, right. Uh, you're like, all right, well, the next chapter is just a few pages. I can stop here. I think that's what helped me keep going instead of taking a break. Usually it takes me about two weeks to really read a book just because I'm probably yeah. busy writing it at the same time. Same, yeah. But this really just took maybe, if I'm doing all hours, maybe 24 hours out of oh, like wow. two or three days, like eight hours a day, like just because I was like taking a break from writing and just like focusing on trying to build up this platform of, of a podcast. So I was able just to do this because I wanted to get this interview for sure. Yeah. So like, I just found it to be a very flow, fluid, like easy read. Like I was really, I'm Man. grateful because it's like, there's a lot of people that say they write fiction, but then they try to write over the top. And it's like, that's not even where your skills are. Not not to sound crazy. It's just, yep, yep. yeah, you get it. I know you probably don't want to no, say exactly. it. But. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. not exactly. It's it's like that thing of uh, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And it's, right. it's keeping your reader in mind and trying to keep their attention because there are so many other things that people could be doing with their time. You have to make it worth their while. Right. And I think it's like a fine balance of the content needs to be original, but the writing don't necessarily have to be too original yep. where nobody gets it. So I think you did a good job of that. And I think you delivered something that readers, when they get their hands on it, is, is what they would have wanted all along, for sure. Thank you. So if you could tell a younger writer, your younger writer self anything, what would you tell them? Oh, um, it'll all be worth it. And uh, don't give up. 
just keep going. <laughs> I know that yeah. that sounds like really kind of cliche, stereotypical, but really that's what I'd say. Cause um, you know, again, go, going a little bit into, into some of the content in here, you know, even though it's fictional, like there were some, some times where it was just really, really hard to, to get through um, just day-to-day -day life. And um, yeah. you know, if, if I were to go up to younger me and, and hold this thing up to him and be like, look, you did this, um, you're going, you're going to do this. Um, I wouldn't have believed it, but you know, that's, that's, it's reality. Um, right. and for as crazy as, as things are kind of, uh, in a lot of facets of the world, that aspect of my personal life, you know, it's something I dreamed of. And I, I know, you know how that feels. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah but... Like I've connected with that feeling too. Oh, thank you. I started this, my writing journey in 2013. So it was more of, um, I didn't go to school for it neither. I actually went to school yeah. for business and a mind and sociology. So for me to find out that I should write was like, I read the um, Paula Coelho's uh, The Alchemist and yes. translated in such a simplistic way. I was like, although it's translated, they wrote it in such a simple way and everyone loves it so much. It's like, I think I could write. And that's when I just took my time and, and figured out kind of like a flow for me. So first I released my first book in 2014 and then I just never stopped. I just try to stay consistent. So, so cool. Yeah. And I, I love that book too. That's really, that's really cool that you really connected to that because I think around that same time when I was, when I was still trying to kind of build myself up, um, that that's around the time that I read it as well. Yeah. And it really had yeah. that kind of yeah. an impact. So yeah, just a great book. So yeah, I think I was 23 when I read it. So 2013. So yeah. That's cool. And then, um, my other favorite book that made me feel like I could write because it was written so simple, but it was such a heartwarming story of Tuesday with Maury by Mitch Album. Yes. Yes. That's so. another great book. Yep. I want to reread that. It's been, a, it's been a while. Yeah. Those were the two books that made me say, I think I could do it if I really, you know, took the time to like understand what's my strengths and what I would need to work yep. on for sure. So what are two of your, what's the two latest books that you've read of recent? Fiction and nonfiction, if you have one of each. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading a couple right now. Um, two, both uh, writers that um, I, I kind of talk with and, and follow on Twitter. Um, Itsuki by Zach McDonald. Um, okay. He's another indie author. He also, Atmosphere Press, actually. And um, it's just, it's really good. Um, kind of, a, I, I'm kind of calling it like a quiet apocalypse. Like it's this book that um, shifts between a future apocalyptic event and this character kind of surviving in this natural environment that's kind of overgrown everything. And then it cuts back to years in the past when he was just living a normal life before all of this happened. And yeah. it's really, really good. Um, and then I'm reading uh, the debut collection of uh, flash fiction stories by um, Tara Isabel Zambrano. It's um, Death, Desire, and Other Destinations. And hope I got that right. Very, very good. Um, yeah. She's just a phenomenal flash fiction writer. So I've been really and digging If you don't mind sending me the links, and if you talk to them, if they want to yeah. do the podcast one day, I'll be happy to like you know sit down with them if they're interested. For sure. Yeah, they're they're both great writers. Yeah, I've, I've been so yeah, I've been just digging into that. I've been I've been trying to to read uh, just kind of devote more of my time just to like indie authors and folks who I'm you know kind of meeting and, and talking with. It's it's really right. cool. It's a different experience being able to like read the work of someone that you're 
you know, kind of internet friends with and talking. Right. Or I could easily get in touch with compared to maybe a a well-known author. Absolutely. Yep. So I guess my question, well, not to sound like an egotistic person, how did you feel about The Kids of the Diaspora? Because you said you mentioned it and I love the review you gave me. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, I I loved it. That was fantastic. I I felt like in, in the same way that I was trying to capture something that was like of a time and place, I felt like that's what you did with with your with your book. Um, I Appreciate and it's that. wild too because uh, like I don't really have a background in New York personally. Like I haven't lived there, but I I just felt like I was kind of a fly on the wall or like part of that group of friends. Right. For folks who haven't read it, like so, it's basically structured around this friend group of these folks that are in their twenties in New York and right around it's. Yeah, 2016, right around the election. Um, right. You have a lot of really good uh, dark uh, humor about, to say the least, about um, Trump's election. Um, but it is just really kind of like incisive and has really good social commentary, but it also has a lot of heart. And that that's what I, I, I appreciate. That. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough, that was a screen like. I wanted that to be like a, a big television series. And I wrote that in like 2015, totally but it was like, yeah. but I was like, I don't have the resources to even do that. So, and I don't want it to sit in my laptop. Cause yeah. so I was like, let me just put it out and, and, and just like continue a series of the books. So I'm That's actually releasing part two of that so, next, yeah. next year. I was going to say, cause I, I think uh, I, even in my review of it, I said like, I, I would, I want to see more of these characters. Like I want an ongoing thing. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah I so, read. and I purposely made it only a hundred to 130 pages just cause it's like, I want it to be a quick read. I don't want it to be something you have to sit with, but it's like, it's so much yeah. darkness and like the humor that hopefully they catch something from it. Whoever the race on is that reads it. And exactly. That's what I loved about it too, is that you, you like dove into something where you were like steeping it in hundreds of years of history and going into like the, the like institutionalized racism and the structure of it and how it works on like this macro level. But then you're really zooming into like this friend group to see how it affects each of them on an individual right. basis, which, yeah, that's, that was great. <laughs> like it, no, it I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of, um, I don't know, just me knowing that I wish that was like a, a medium of film and me not being able to accomplish it and then like having to re- re-engineer myself to make it into a book, maybe actually do that for a few new books that I'll have coming out in 2021. So I have seven I have seven books that I'm coming out with next year. How many books do you think you have slated for for next year or in the near future? Yeah, I- Definitely. I've got um, one that I'm working on now that I, it should be done within the next few months. And then I'm, I'm going to try to, you know, kind of get it out there. I would think around 2021, but um, it's kind of like auto fiction of, of dealing with some of the making of Here's Waldo, funny enough, but kind of in a, in a different way. So it's, mm-hmm. it's this thing of like creative nonfiction, but also kind of fiction at the same time. Right. Really, like, different and and kind of interesting to work on it's a challenge but um yeah i i think a few more months i should be done with the first draft of that and i'm just gonna kind of you know do the the whole revision draft two all that good stuff right <laughs> no, absolutely. until the second third fourth fifth draft um 
I got a few more questions, obviously. Sorry. I'm just trying to make sure my computer doesn't die out on me. <laughs> uh, let's see. Do you have any more questions for me, too? Uh, like, uh, I love the way it's flowing right now. Yeah, I, man, so I, I've wanted to to kind of dive into more, like, TV, right? Because, like I said, you know, I, I uh, kind of cut my teeth with, like, screenwriting and, like, for films, but I had never really written anything before, like an episodic serial format. Like, was that, is that a, a challenge to kind of shift between film and TV or what, how do you kind of see it? Um, yes and no, because like film, I feel like you get to tell the whole story in 90 pages where this, sometimes I feel like I was stretching it too far and it was yeah. like, do I really have enough material or am I just trying to write it so I'm staying productive? Yeah. No, that so that was that was my issue. I felt like in my initial drafts of it, but then I just started. I lived with it for a few years before I even decided to make it a book again. So reseeing it and then reformat, reformatting everything and making it a little bit more colorful, but still keeping it very true to like an A to Z point and not like try to be too overly um, dramatizing of, of of the of the town or, or, or like too much of the people's mind. I wrote it very dialogue based that that book, so it was very easy for yeah. me just to keep the keep the story going within the dialogue. So it wasn't too bad. It's just I wish I um, took the time. Maybe like writing episodic, I could see why they have a writer's room. It's it's very hard yeah. to like to be do able it to all by yourself. Off. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to do it all by yourself for sure. It's still I I still feel like it came across really well, and I. I felt like that was really refreshing too to to read fiction that was so so much in the dialogue and like how the characters spoke to one another because like just from the background I you know I come from like I I love dialogue and it, it's it's cool to be able to to see that kind of having these characters bounce off of each other in that way right and I think I do that I guess that's one of my I guess one of the things I do often so therefore that's when I realized maybe I can just learn the format of screenwriting and then that's what helped me is like, if I write, I think if you know how to write a fiction novel or any novel, it's much easier to transform your mind to do screenwriting than screenwriting yep. into writing a book. I feel like that's a much harder transition compared to the other oh, way around. Yep. Yeah. I agree. So that's basically how that became about is this, I knew I couldn't get it out of my computer. Not the way I, not the way I envisioned it, but it's like the one way I can have it out in the world is, is to, the medium I, I've known for a while, which is publishing the book. So yeah. that's that's kind of the only reason. It was like frustration at that point of just wanting yeah. wanting, <laughs> wanting the story to be out there, you know? Yep. So. Yeah, I, I totally relate to that because you know, with with Waldo, like this was this was a something that I worked on for six years, like start to finish. And it went through so many different versions, so many different iterations and like um different kind of uh things that I wanted to do with it. And it, it got to that point where I was like, okay, I think I've, I found this, this uh, way of releasing it that like everything just kind of makes sense. And it finally, right. it was, it was coming out the way I wanted it to. And that's Which really, is, that's all you can have. You always want your debut book, at least to do that. Every other book you can live with if you, if you don't hit all the marks yeah. you thought. But your very first book, you want at least the energy of it for everyone to always fall in love with it, no matter what's, what else is going on. So yep. I think you definitely accomplished that. So now you could just do your normal three or four drafts and keep it moving. I don't think you'll ever have right. to wait six years again. 
Yeah, I don't want to repeat that process for sure. Yeah, I could imagine. And that's what I think a lot of new writers do. Um, it's like they live with it into the point where it's like they don't even want it out there no more. And I think you, you can't be that critical on yourself. You got to be okay with releasing your art and just knowing you did your best sometimes. Yep. I think especially I, if you want to do it for a living. If you don't want to do it for a living, I can understand you holding on to it. But like, No, exactly. And I, I don't remember where. I, I saw it online somewhere. Uh, someone was making the point like, you know, if you're really kind of like frustrated with your writing or you think like it's it's boring or it's not interesting or like you know you see the the twist coming it's like well yeah you wrote it and you've read this over and over and over again someone who's reading this for the first time isn't going to have that perspective they're gonna right. it's gonna be fresh for them so yeah exactly what you said like there comes that that point where it's obviously a good thing to have that critical eye and to be able to see when something's working when it's not and be able to fix it but exactly what you said, you have to be able to turn that off and know when it's actually appropriate to be like, nope, this works, let's move on. Right. And is that is that part of the reason why it took six years or is more of you just wanted to make sure you, you found figured out the tone? Because you chose yeah. a particular tone, which isn't, most writers wouldn't recommend the, the way you did it because it's just going to take a long time of trying yeah. to stick into that third person of being the protagonist. And yeah, not from no, like a bird's was, eye view of the reader. Exactly. No, it was hard. Uh, it was it was part partially that, and partially just kind of living and growing myself. Um, so like, like, you know, it goes without saying, but like the first draft of Here's Waldo, because I I have it like buried away somewhere. If I compare that to like the actual book, it's there's no comparison. Because um, when I started it, I, yeah, I, I hadn't had like any gotten anything out there really, and um, I was, you know, re very much like just kind of learning on the go and just learning on the job. Um, and, you know, six years later, I feel like I really had a full understanding of this world, this character, everything about it, top to bottom. So that's when all the rewrites came in. But yeah, I, I feel like a lot of it was just, I had to live that so that I could speak to it authentically, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I think you also uh, built a, a strong, a strong presence though, because in those six years, I'm sure you learned marketing tips. I'm sure, you know, I feel like you've done more research than the average person that just said, I finished my book. I want to release my book. That was what I did. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, did it. Although I recouped that particular book every other time, it backfired on some level of not the not the story, just yeah. having a true audience. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's. How's that going for you is of building your, your audience and, and, and your data so you know who's more likely to buy than not buy yeah it's it's going well so far it's it's uh again it's one of those things where i feel like it's uh it's a really interesting situation where you know i had this debut right as kind of covid was hitting and, and really taking hold so mm -hmm. it was really when i when i uh when atmosphere got in touch with me and and like hashed out all the details and, and signed it was it was very much um just kind of like a uh, leap of faith and just trusting that this would this would be able to work out and um, I think one of the things that helped was that they, it was already structured around very much like that indie structure of of just kind of uh, you know um, printing print on demand and just having things like done as you know as people buy copies um, and yeah I feel like that just kind of worked out because the the traditional 
structure. Like I, we're seeing all, all these, you know, stores closing, of course, bookstores closing. And so pretty much even, um, you know, stuff like this, like being able to, to do podcast interviews here, or like I did like a virtual zoom book launch, um, like that actually worked to my advantage too. Cause that would have, <laughs> it would have been, I, I was able to connect with a bunch of people who, you know, I, might not necessarily have been able to meet otherwise, you know? Right. Absolutely. That's true. Yeah. It's just that, that aspect of like the internet bringing people together um, that you, you especially need to take advantage of that with, with indie writing. Indie author. Oh, absolutely. So what atmosphere, what, what is it like a, um, a, like half and half of like traditional publishing mixed with indie or is it like, they're like the distributor for you? To go, yeah, they're, they're like an indie press based out of Austin, uh, Texas, and okay. yeah, so they, yeah, so I basically just kind of did that through them. Um, that was in May that we signed. So then a lot of it was just kind of going through um, just the editorial process and, and all that stuff, um, and it was wild too because uh, I, again, you go into it where like you think that you just have this idea of the book and you know exactly what it is and, and it's kind of set in stone. And then, you know, working with like editorial and stuff like that and realizing uh, that it was kind of coming together in uh, just talking with them and being able to re rehash it even more and just kind of like further develop it. Um, it, it helped a lot in just kind of developing that book. Did you find that process? I don't know why that sounded like that, I'm sorry. Did you find that process more expensive than just you doing it all the way yourself, or was it like a happy medium with atmosphere as far as? Yeah, I mean it's it's tough to say <laughs> since I'm like brand new to it, I guess. But right. um, yeah, it um, I don't know it 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 seemed like it it was a good it was a good process. I I definitely felt like I I got everything I wanted out of it. Um, okay, good. Yeah, and it's yeah. I I mean, we'll we'll see kind of what the future holds with like future releases and stuff like that. But um, right. so far, it's it's been a really cool experience having this out for almost a month now. Um, just kind of still riding that wave of, of oh, this book is actually out in the world. Right. So, how do you feel though now that it's really out there? You're getting people's feedback. Um, is it is it a joyous one? Is it like does it make you want to write again right away or is you, are you just yes. basking in the, in the moment? I'm trying to just kind of sit and enjoy it a little bit. Cause I put, it was just a constant grind and like constantly working on this thing. And, yeah. and just, yeah. even if I had to put it away for a little bit, like I always came back to it with just even more focus. So like to be done with it and done, done, um, I'm, I'm trying to just kind of enjoy it a little bit and, and take that time to myself. But yeah, it, it definitely kind of fueled that energy of like, I need to keep going, need to be working on another project. Um, and it's cool because I've been hearing from folks who are already like, you know, tell like sharing their their kind of like perspective on it and then wanting to, to read more. And so I'm like, perfect. <laughs> I'm working on something now. Yeah. You know? Do you have a working title for your next um, work? Or are you, are you allowed to share or not yet? Yeah, um, so it, uh, it's the brother we share. And mm. uh, so basically, I'm kind of taking this perspective where I'm having um, 
my my real life like younger brothers um and the my friends who kind of became brothers and so it's a perspective story on uh from from their perspective actually with uh it, it deals with a lot of stuff like mental health and, and trauma like I, I kind of already dealt with in this book but again kind of taking it from a more realistic perspective with yeah. this book as like the backdrop of it but i'm i'm really telling kind of the the real telling more layers back yeah yep it's really interesting but yeah like i said it's it's tricky and tough but i feel like there is that benefit of i'm i'm writing 100 real people you know so it's like it's a challenge where you feel really motivated, like I need to get this person right. But at the same time, you already know the person. So you kind of know, you know how they talk, you know how they act. Um, right. So that, that's right. for sure. What was the hardest chapter for you to write in the book? Oof. That's a good one. Um, there were a few. Um, I think a lot of them towards the end, um, they were, it's, it's weird, but they were really fulfilling, but a lot of the, the chapters towards the end where there's kind of reconciliation and like Waldo kind of coming to terms with what happened with his, in his family and being able to especially have those conversations with his mom and his dad in a really kind of real and raw way. Um, like I said, that was really fulfilling to be able to write that, but those, that was emotionally tough. Cause like I, I tell people that like, you know, in the same way that there's like method acting, I don't know if this is a thing, but I, I kind of do method writing. Like I try to just kind of get into that headspace as much as I can while I'm writing something. Right. Um, and so I did that with everything in, in this book. Um, so it was, it was tough to, to tap into that emotion sometimes. But um, again, like I feel like it was really rewarding. It's going back to something I heard years ago of, no no tears in the writer no tears in the reader no laughter in the writer no laughter in the reader so it's like i feel like if i'm not feeling it on that deep level i'm not sure the reader is so i need to go and push push harder you know no i totally understand that so do you believe in writer's block like the whole theory of writer's block or no um i i think you know that it definitely happens. And I, I think that there are times when, you know, uh, like I even had it with, with the Waldo where I had to put it aside for, for, you know, certain periods of time, but I feel like it can usually be, I can only speak from my perspective, but I'd right. say for me with Waldo, it usually was either because of an issue with like plot or content that was tough for me to write about that I needed to take a step back and, and maybe structure it out a little bit more or like, kind of give myself time to process it and then jump back in or it was like a personal block like kind of similar of just you know going through some some hard times and I need to deal with that process that and then jump back into it I think it Got happens it. but yeah that was just kind of my perspective on it no, that makes sense um I don't know if I've ever truly had so much sorry I don't know if I truly had so much um Writer's block, they're feeling like today's a shitty day to write because I'm just not on point. So therefore I'm putting yep. it down rather than <laughs> me not being able to type anything out at all, if yep. that makes sense. 
No, yeah, I'm I'm 100 there. Like I'll I'll write something. Uh, there's no guarantee I'll like it, <laughs> but right. I'll write something. I'll put something down. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, I think this was a great interview. I don't even know if I have any more questions. Really. Um, do you have yes. anything that you want to share? Any links or? Oh sure. Um, so nickolsonbooks.com um, is my website. So that's Olson O L S O N. Um, and then if you want to follow me on Twitter at Nicholson books, try to keep that branding on point as much as I can. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I just want to share, I guess, too, because because I, I read your book that that was kind of my way in um, uh, of just kind of getting into your material. And then you had sent me the link to to your book and, and kind of getting into that. And it was just right. just phenomenal. Um, thank you. I think like, really, I'm just really excited to read more. <laughs> no, that I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So I guess, let me just tell you. Yeah. So the second book of, of the kids of the diaspora is called kids of the diaspora, the black kid manifesto. So it's basically him getting the book deal and then him kind of, um, going through the process of what happens with his day-to-day -day life for the next seven or eight weeks of that time period. Cool. Um, I like that. Then I have a, um, a romantic comedy that was a, a script that I had to turn into a book because I just felt like I want the story to be out there. It's called The Love in Central Park. So it's a very funny, witty kind of kind of book. Um, yeah. Then the third book is a coming of age story um, called We Were Kids Who Found Our Way Through the Cosmos, which is basically um i've written so much sorry for the brain the brain freezes here oh for sure i was gonna say i even saw another one that you were promoting recently i think noah moss was that it yeah the chef yeah, yeah. that's a, um a lot of people like that one if you have time i think you, you'll you'll i think you'll enjoy that one too yeah so we were kids who found a way through the cosmos is basically just a coming of age a good coming of age story about boy loses girl boy finds girl again they try to figure it out but it's like it's you know it's a heartwarming quick Quick, good story though, with some good moral compasses for sure. Stuff, so yeah. And then the next one that I think you'll be interested in, if you are into like civil rights history, is um, I don't know if you ever heard of the civil rights leader Mega Evers. He was big for the NAACP yeah. in Mississippi. Yep. So I'm writing from the point that if he never got assassinated and lived out his full life and went to law school at, at Howard, and then that becomes like the family trade of being a lawyer and his great grandson is now going through like his battles of being a lawyer kind of coloring outside of the line to like get the truth and justice for some things that has happened to him so yeah so i have and i'm releasing four out of the eight books of that series all next year so i'm kind of doing like the netflix approach with that is like releasing it all in the same month and yeah. like just because i want to take binge the, or take the time with it as much as right that's and cool. for me, it's more of I want to take two years off of like releasing books and just yep. take the time of promoting and finding out what's my true fan base so I can then figure yeah. out from there what that to write. Like a really good plan. Yeah, so that's kind of my thought process on the end of this year in 2021. It's like um, I put 10,000 hours in writing. Now let me put 10,000 hours into marketing and building up other platforms where it's not me asking you guys for money, but it's more of you guys get a free content and if you like here's the link to purchase my catalog so 100 because it's a totally different beast yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> as i'm quickly finding out the author side of things is very different from the writer side of things yeah so that's that's my reasoning for looking like a maniac trying to release so much in, in one cool. year just it's just because i really want to take a 
little two-year break of just caring to release or even feel like I have to write. I might write blogs just to keep sharp a little bit, but sure. nothing of um, storytelling because I still got about four more unpublished and well, four more halfway written books. How many of those you have? I'm sure you have a few of those that are like oh, yeah. written, but like Too not ready most, to see the light. Most of it is, yeah, I've got like a whole folder of screenplays before I got into fiction. I got like seven or eight scripts just sitting there. And I think you should convert them into books if you can, because a lot of yeah, what's happening idea. what's happening now is 90% of our movies is like that are original, quote unquote, they're not coming from spec scripts anymore. Unfortunately, they're coming from books. Yep. So if that's your way to like get in the game and be like, hey, I got the, you know, I got the screenplay too. So I suggest you buy my first yeah, draft. So that was my approach. It's like, you know, I'm trying to do the marathon of, of building up the catalog. So if I ever do get the interest that I want, you can upstream my other books, but you got to buy my whole back catalog before I give you something brand new kind of thing. So that's kind of been my approach with it. Although I probably should have probably told you that without us recording, that's but that's cool. <laughs> that, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't mind sharing the whole just because. <laughs> yeah, but like it's like everyone can have a master plan. It's about who's taking the time to execute. So it's like I, you know, so I don't mind sharing. Exactly. It's like everyone wants to write a book, but you got to sit down and write the book. So it's the same process with this stuff here too. Exactly. So usually to end off every episode, I do a quote of the week and then a lyrics of the week just to be a little different because I think some writing is very potent in, in music. So quote of the week is from Shannon Hale. I'm writing a first draft and reminding myself that I'm simply shoveling sand into a box so that later I can build castles. I just think that's very, um, very thoughtful in, in a way of, yeah, for, for us writers. And for the love of your book, here's Waldo, I purposely found, um, a rock band that's from Des Plains. I don't know why I can't, um, I don't see the Pelican, the group called Pelican. I yeah. yeah, so because of your characters being based in Des Plains, <laughs> I figure we'll do some lyrics from them from, um, cool. the song is called, uh, okay, I don't, you know, I'm just gonna read the lyrics. Those that our fans will know. I don't know where the hell the name is of it. But um, here's the lyrics. With it all before you, how could it ever go wrong? When water mirrors for you and all that you look on, just a glimmer from the way beyond, but you're lost today and each and every tide, things are lost. Things we must not lose sight of, no matter if you're tired. Why well, suppose oracles can let you know? With it all before you, how could it ever go wrong? When water mirrors for you and all that you look on, just a glimmer from the way beyond, but you're lost today. Between you, where the cost against damage of and shore it up against the flood. She's the whitest of your wave through it all, but you're lost today. With it all here for you, we couldn't let, go, let it go on. Couldn't bear to carry, couldn't lay upon. So a glimmer from the way beyond, where we help today. So those are just lyrics from a band called Pelican that is from Des Plains where the character here, Waldo, is uh, taking place. It's really cool. 
So I just want to thank again, Nick Olson for um, writing not only a beautiful book, but just being on this platform with me and, and just chopping it up about some good writing. Thank you so much. This was, this was such a pleasure and an honor. No, thank you. So th thank you guys, everyone for coming. This is Americana Quill, writer to writer. Take care.